In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Selling a little... Or a lot? <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate. From the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. We play a fast song on Thursdays. What's up, you guys? <laughs> it's so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. It is Wednesday night. I I got a blinding headache uh, 
you know, this happened. I I, had, I got COVID over the holidays. If you guys have been listening, you, you you knew that. And sometimes I'll just get knocked with headaches now. And I had never had that in my life. So that sucks because you just kind of have to lay there until it passes. But I needed to put this together. It is always the last thing I do before I go to bed, which is, uh, it's not fun. <laughs> but I, I swear to God, today's episode is fun because we have... We have the king. We have Danny Pellegrino today, and Danny, um, he's the best at this. He's he's kind of you know what I aspire to, uh, and and I think he just brings so much joy to so many people. And on top of that, is just laser like in his precision of dissecting pop culture. And I think it would be a disservice to him to even say just Housewives and Bravo because it is so much more than that. And this conversation goes everywhere. So, I mean, we go into pop culture, every what he's up to. We go into Beverly Hills, New York. <laughs> and by the way, I will be I will be doing a full, full recap of Real Housewives of New York uh, this past week's episode on my Patreon. But I do, yeah, I want to talk, I mean, I'm going to talk really briefly because I've watched it now two or three times, and that last scene between Luann and Ebony, and of course, you guys, if you don't know, Ebony has taken the next, I think, week or so off social media to kind of just let everybody sit with this um, and, and potentially watch it for yourselves, make your own uh, judgments, and also tr- just try to listen. I think I think what um, a lot of these shows or a lot of the housewives in these shows, they always... Um, stab themselves in the back by just not listening. And I'm not even talking about in terms of Ebony or in terms of Tiffany. I mean, those are those are prime examples, Tiffany, of course, from Real Housewives of Dallas. But I'm also talking about just listening uh, to each other. I mean, I think part of the, what makes them hysterical in certain scenes is that they don't listen to each other. Ramona doesn't listen to Sonia. Sonia doesn't listen to Luann. But then when it becomes frightening is when you have kind of real-world issues and you see Luann getting weirdly triggered by someone she thinks is calling her uneducated when that's not what was actually being said. What was she, you know, Ebony, if you guys haven't didn't watch Real Houses in New York, which, by the way, Real Houses in New York, they just can't find the tone. There are certain scenes, scenes that are like madcap and full of kind of mirth. And like, I mean, come on, uh, they're doing nude nude life drawings. To watch Sonia paint a dick? I mean, that, I mean, that's been on my vision board since I was a little kid. I envisioned that before Housewives even existed. I was like, there will be a lady who draws a man's penis and he takes, she takes it very seriously. I mean, between that and, and Ramona saying she doesn't want to talk about the D and the P and the putting in the WAP and the WP. I mean, that is great dialogue and it's getting overshadowed by just a lot of, um, a lot of not listening to their fellow castmates. Um, so we, we once again go into this kind of, I mean, each one of these franchises are going into it. And, and, and I talk about that with Danny today. And I feel like, you know, I think a lot of these shows are going to have growing pains. But if we, that's great. You know, it's like, I can deal with that. I can learn from that. And I mean, the whole point is to everybody catch up, everybody be on the same page. I would love to talk to Luann now and see what she thinks. Of course, you know, Crystal Minkoff uh, and Sutton from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills had words last week. And Sutton, I talked about this on Monday's show, I think, Sutton initially, uh, Sutton immediately, right, sorry, Tuesday show, Sutton immediately um, 
posted an apology, you know, and I thought it, it said the right things. But of course, you know, apologies are one thing. You always want to have that backed up by action. And and I think that that's, you know, if somebody apologizes, you give them that chance, you give them that courtesy, that grace. Um, but the Luann thing, it was disappointing because I think Luann didn't even take the time to listen to what Ebony was saying. So you're getting this trigger on top of trigger and Luann thought she was in a different scene entirely. She thought somebody, and, and by the way, if you want to push Luann's button, I mean, talk about education, talk about class. Talk, I mean, that's, that's Luann's whole brand. So I feel like she, I mean, she wasn't listening. And so then you get this weird kind of amalgamation of this mashup. And I love mashups, but I don't love mashups like that. Um, you know, uh, the dick and, and by the way, and got, you know, Leah, we talk about Leah in today's episode as well. And, you know, and if you guys listened to yesterday's episode with Heather, Heather Gay, you know, I'm engaged now to Heather and we're very happy. And, uh, but, but at the same time, I'm, I'm hoping Leah can get back on track, but I, I she was just all over the map and there is a little bit of a, a brattiness. And I, 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 it's probably not even a little bit, a lot of brattiness that I hope, um, I, I, I just, I think she's probably, I mean, obviously she's going through a rough time with her grandma, um, but there is this weird thing. And the fact that she really does seem to have this kind of weird attachment issue to Ramona, that it does almost feel familial. And it's like bizarre because you'll see in certain scenes, there was that scene when, when the guitar player uh, came up to Ramona, she's like, oh, I'm feeling your music. This is amazing. And she was like, kind of like touching herself and feeling herself. And Leah just had to look away because she was like almost starting to crack up. And, you know, you balance that with then Leah trying to get Ramona's attention or, you know, it, it, it's just bizarre. And I think, you know, Leah's like, Leah and Ebony's like, well, we should be able to talk about, you know, dicks and vaginas and all. Sorry if, <laughs> by the way, for all you guys with kids listening with your kids, is it cool if I teach them penis and vagina? Wouldn't that be cool if like Ryan Bailey taught me about penis and vagina? Hey, you know what? Moms, dads, if you could leave the room, I'd like to just talk to the kids for a sec. Hey guys, it's Ryan from So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Uh, I'm a friend of your moms and dads. Uh, they wanted me to talk to you about the birds and the bees. Now, if you watch Real Housewives of New York like your mom does, you'll know that last night was a very special episode where they talked about penises and vaginas. And... <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, I'll do a full recap of Roni, but it was one of those things that I even had to sit with because it, it happened in the last five minutes of the episode. And I think it continues on next week. And who would have thought that Sonia, Sonia, if you, you watched her, she looked like she kind of understood perfectly what Ebony was trying to say. Like Sonia, I'll tell you, Sonia surprises you. You know, she obviously has some real issues and of course she, you know, ex alcohol exacerbates that, but then you'll have her at that, that, that table and she seems like she gets it entirely and she sees Luann go off the rails and she just kind of looks away like, oh, here we go again. Like she gets it. Like she was us, you know, in every story they have, uh, the every man almost that, that we kind of see the story through. And in, in that scene, I think we were Sonia and we were watching that for the most part through Sonia's eyes and just like, whoo boy. So we'll see, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, 
We celebrate these ladies for these peculiarities like Luann has or Ramona has. But at the same time, we have to realize this is real human behavior. They are potentially really like this in real life. And that means that's potentially bad sometimes. It's not just good. It's not just stuff that should be celebrated. And I guess to a degree, that's all of us, right? Like we have these really great things about us. Uh, me, I have so many great things. I mean, mainly just great things. I mean, in fact, just for me, it's all great things. But for you guys, it's mainly great things. But then you have these bad things. And the bad things are what we have to work on. So I get worried when we we, we uh, gas people up, we hype them up so much, unless it's me. Like I said, if you gas me up, that's all great. Please just only compliments. But you know, you do wonder what that does. And then you kind of you kind of make somebody that's potentially um, unstoppable or, or thinks their shit doesn't stink. And as we all know, everybody's shit stinks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, a couple of things. I My head does hurt, so I can't get into as much as I want to. But we have Danny. So we don't need we can rest on our laurels when we have Danny. Let Danny do the heavy lifting. Um I wanted to do two things. Real Houses of Beverly Hills, which I will be talking, of course, about more because a uh, third episode was on tonight and I loved it again. And Kathy Hilton, you are the belle of the ball right now. We all love you. It's going to be sad when we watch that all fall apart. Uh, Danny and I talk about Kathy in today's episode, and I thought he said something really brilliant, which I'll let him say. I'm not going to. It actually made a lot of sense. Because a, uh, a lot of people have been writing because, uh, you know, I think a lot of us are gassing Kathy up and they're saying, well, Kathy's horrible. I mean, Kathy does this and does that and all that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, OK, but if we're judging just on the show, she is saying some of the most batshit things I have seen since, uh, God, like Teresa Giudici first season. You know, there's just some bizarre things and she's just used sparingly. So every time she pops up, like tonight, she was drinking a Red Bull. She thought it was a soda. She was drinking it in bed like midnight with some chips. And then Kyle was trying to get her the next morning, 1130. And Kathy's like, get out of my room. Leave me. Get out of my room. Also, Erica Jane. What is Erica Jane's deal with trying to let us know she eats real food? And she's like, I ate fast food for the last six months. Tom got Morton's every night. Like, she's literally trying to bust him out. There's something really afoot here. Erica Jane thinks she's in the performance of a lifetime, and she's trying to be subtle right now, you guys. But wait, she's not that good of an actor. She's going... But, like, do you notice that and production is really potentially making her look very bad in some of the, uh, you know, some of the things that she says, you know, there was one thing where they were in Tahoe tonight and she said, you know, I know that most, what was it like that most, she's a brassy broad, you guys. She said she knew that most, not convicts, but, uh, uh, fugitives, I think live in Tahoe. She's like, and they were like, how do you know that? She's like, ah, somebody told me, I don't know. You know, I mean, since we can allegedly talk about things here, I allegedly think, you know, there is a good chance she, that Tom had her like say, hey, shit's going down. I'm storing all this money over here. You take it and run. You just need to make sure that, you know, potentially how to protect herself. And I think that she is in a long haul of trying to make this work. And which I'll get to in a second, we, we've got a TV show coming up about about this that we got announced today that is just like what a christmas miracle for all of us bravo pop culture fans right but anyways kathy hilton i mean 
you know, and she did this. She, everybody says Kathy Hilton's a prankster. Crystal's like, have you ever been pranked by Kathy? Like, I want to be pranked by Kathy. But they did it. They went out to dinner. And then Kathy did this prank where she told the lady to bring her water with olives, make it look like a martini. And then her and uh, Dorit were going to have a chugging contest. And all the other girls were like, whoa. But then Dorit, <laughs> Kathy was trying to get all the other girls to dr- drink actual drinks. Dorit let all the other girls in in on it by text, except for Sutton. And Sutton thought everybody was making fun of her, which was a total mess. But like, it is just like this show to like really take off in the sense of like, this is genius. If, if Dorit could let this play out, Come on, you see an Erica chug, Rinna chug. But by the way, Rinna, of course, overacting when she chugs. Um, And also, really great reminder tonight that Rinna did a, uh, she was the face of Depends diapers for a while. And I went and I put it on my Instagram, the Depends ad with Lisa Rinna. I think somebody already thought that was Photoshopped, but it is not. It is the real Depends ad with Lisa Rinna. I forgot like, do you know how much you have to love money to be the spokeswoman for Depends? You have to really go, I love money. I, I just really love money. And and by the way, no shade to people that wear Depends. Like, I, I have people that are close to me that have worn Depends, love the product. But I think those people also wouldn't be like, you know what? I love this product. I'd like to put my face on it. But Lisa Ren is like, yeah, baby, let's do it. <laughs> and then she just cackles. <laughs> God, the damn Joker cackle. I just can't take it. So anyways, the ladies just like they put that joke like Kathy sets up this beautiful joke and Dorit ruins it. And then the girls try to like steal, like jump in on that shine. And they're like, we're pranking Kathy. I'm like, Kathy doesn't even understand you guys are doing that. It made no sense. And it kind of stopped the joke short and then in turn made Sutton mad. And and I got to tell you. Sometimes it's fun just to watch Sutton's face. Sutton is like a silent film actor in these Beverly Hills episodes. It's it's a cross between that and Je- uh, was it Faye Dunaway in Mommy Dearest. She has like a no more wire hanger, no wire hangers. If you guys remember Mommy Dearest, uh, a chilling portrayal by Faye Dunaway. Um, but Sutton has like a Faye Dunaway face from that movie crossed with like a Charlie Chaplin-esque silent film star face. Uh, But there's a lot of good stuff to dig in. And next week, we supposedly get the Tom Girardi stuff. Uh, And I cannot wait to see how Lisa Rinna makes that about her. So that that will be fascinating. Uh, But on the Kathy Hilton tip, which, by the way, like, Kyle, Kyle, it's me, Kathy. I'm working on my Kathy. Hi, it's me, Kathy. (laughs) Hi, Kyle. So Kathy Hilton did an Instagram Live tonight. And if you know anything about Kathy on Instagram, she is a gift. Kathy doesn't really understand how Instagram works still. So she'll put messages in fact like somebody one of her friends something happened like i think a relative died and kathy wrote lol on it which because kathy thought it meant lots of love and you don't get better than that she thought she's like it's lots of love or kathy will make plans on (laughs) kathy will be like hey call me let's go out this week she'll make plans on the instagram comment section of her friends um and there are tons you can look that up on like there's a lot of examples of what she does on instagram that is just she's doing amazing work on there and she should be celebrated but she did an instagram live tonight with um 
with her sister, Kyle, which I think now they are my favorite comedy duo. duo. Kyle is the straight man, and Kathy is the one that gets all the jokes. And I'm going to play a little clip of it, just, just so you can get a little taste. Everyone has got to tune in for the West Coast feed at 8 o'clock. And what is it on? Because a lot of people ask me. What do you mean what channel it's on? It's on Bravo, Kathy. It's on Bravo, Kathy. What are you, adult? By the way, that's when you know somebody is really like a sister or a brother. Like, you're like, she was like, Kathy, come on. What are you? Kathy doesn't even know it's on Bravo. And even if she's acting, if, even if Kathy is not this amazingly weird, I love the effort of trying to be this amazingly weird. But I have a feeling, and she went on to say, Ola instead of Hulu. Um, this, if you can find it, I feel like this is going to be passed around like Grateful Dead tapes, um, where you got to find this whole Instagram live. It was just, it's fantastic. It is fantastic. But I want to push my luck. I want to get Kim Richards back on there. I want to get Chris Jenner on there. I wouldn't mind just having Kathy have a spinoff at this point. I love it all. Um, of course, uh, you, you know that, uh, like I said, we had Heather Gay on yesterday and she, you know, said she was not dipping on Jen Shaw and we're going to see what happens in Jen Shaw's case. We're also going to see what happens in Erica Jane's case. Now, Erica Jane's potential fantasy or worst nightmare came true this morning when Hulu, uh, this feels like an ABC news exclusive, but Hulu is doing a, I think it's a two hour special next Friday on the Erica Jane, Tom Girardi case, uh, Heather McDonald, uh, podcaster is going to be on there. Dana Wilkie, Dana Pam from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh, she's going to be on there. Uh, but it is a pretty in-depth, uh, uh, look into, and it's called, uh, what is it? The Hustler and the, the Hustler and the Housewife, which is chilling title. Do you guys want to hear the preview? Okay. I'm going to play the preview. One sec. There once was a housewife. Erica Jane. The real housewives of Beverly Hills. Who married a hustler. Tom Girardi was L.A. Law. So powerful. They were just blowing money left and right. But then... The real housewives star accused with her husband of staging a fake divorce. Thomas Girardi accused of embezzlement. People love a good scandal. The biggest question is, did she know? The housewife and the hustler. Only on Hulu. We are living in the golden age of television, my friends. That is so exciting. Uh, next Friday on Hulu, don't worry, I will remind you guys to uh, to set the old DVR. Actually, you don't need to set the DVR. I think Hulu, you can just you can just grab that. Um, also, remember, Family Karma came back tonight. I have not watched the season two premiere, but I have, I'm planning on adding that to the old uh, viewing list. Uh, but yeah, let's get to Danny. Uh, I want to thank you guys. This is my first week with iHeartRadio. Uh, I hope you guys have hung in there for the commercial and used my link to check out BetterHelp. Um, I, I, and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for showing up for me. Uh, if you are new, please uh, give this a shot. Uh, I hear it's like a virus, uh, but like a good one where it just kind of like, uh, you know, it catches up to you. And uh, I just appreciate being able to do this and I want to keep doing it. So I hope you're enjoying this. Uh, please follow me on Instagram at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. So bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com. Uh, I have a lot of emails to respond to, but please, uh, you know, don't don't not try to, to, to say hi. Please rate me five stars on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps. 
I know it might, might sound silly. Uh, I, I swear to God, it's not. Um, it's it's not about ego. It really does help. Uh, those five stars uh, are part of the reasons. One of the reasons that iHeartRadio uh, uh, took a notice to me, and that's all because of you guys. But so keep doing that stuff. It really, really helps. Uh, and let me know, of course, if there's anything I can do for you. But uh, without further ado, uh, like I said, he hosts the podcast Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino. His book, I believe, will be coming out in spring 2022, which we get to talk about. Um, I think it was originally entitled Detours. He is going to be changing that. And also, this is fun news. Danny is, uh, he probably talks about this on his podcast, uh, is headed home to surprise his family. So by the time this comes out tomorrow, he will have surprised his family in Ohio. And I think that will probably be one of the most heartwarming things to hear about. I can't wait to hear all about it. Uh, the guy, um, you know, he is a, a, a good man that... Uh, is nice enough to not only guest on my podcast, but other podcasts. Uh, and that is the sign of just a true gentleman when you, you don't have to do something, but he does it um, because I really genuinely believe he loves all of these things that he talks about. So this interview goes everywhere. We talk about late night talk show hosts. We talk about daytime talk show hosts. We talk about Bravo. We talk about streaming services. We go into all of it. You guys, the guy is a master. So without further ado, here is Danny Pellegrino, and I will talk to you guys on Friday. Have a great Thursday. Bye. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to go ahead and give him one anyways. He really is one of the reasons that I am doing this, that there is an audience for this. He's a huge part of, I think, all of our lives at this point. Uh, not only is he the host of the amazing Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, but there is so many things that I think he has his hands in that I'm going to just try to pull out of him, including one is uh, he made an announcement for his book, which is called detours. And it's going to be supposedly in the spring of 2022. But to me, that is just incredible. Danny Pellegrino, welcome back to the oh, show. Ryan, I'm so, that was the nicest introduction. And you know, I love you and your show is taken off and everyone loves you. And so I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. Uh, and thank you for having me. And I'm also just happy that we get to catch up. I know. We, I don't know if we've talked in a little, little while. So I was thinking about the first time I met you was in person and you were the first, I, I didn't really understand how Instagram works and I still don't to a degree, but you were one of the first, uh, person that uh, you're the reason I know what meme is to begin with back in oh like, this is when we went out to sir with Amanda and all the, you remember Amanda, how, oh we all God, went yeah. out and this was years ago, and you had said you were just starting a podcast, and you had already been huge on Instagram. And I remember going, "Oh my God, Danny Pellegrino from Instagram!" And you know, I, but I just think so long ago, oh. and now it's like I'm constantly on Instagram, and you are uh, just like to me in in space, like you are. Oh my God! No. Uh, I mean, no, you're so sweet. But it, I mean, it, isn't it interesting? That was forever ago, and I feel like now almost we have to re we have to like set up recordings with people to like get in touch now I know, because yes. we're I mean we're all so busy but it, I feel that way sometimes it's like oh I really want to talk to Ryan and obviously we can text and stuff like that but sometimes it's nice to like schedule a podcast and you mentioned podcasting and when I started I remember like Ben and Ronnie were so yes. like helpful and influential to me and and Casey and Danielle from Bitch Sesh and I feel like we all have like such a, a nice little community and I, I know I can always rely on you or, or those guys and 
um, so many others to like, if, if we have a question or. Yeah, no, I mean, Ben and Ronnie, uh, KK, like so many people have been amazing to me. And just, it is really uh, unusual because coming from an acting background, people aren't as uh, sharing as they are in, in, in the theater, if you, if you will, you know. I don't think people realize like how this, the community of podcasters, like how close we all are. Like, I know I can text you anytime or, or Courtney and Mary from two judgy girls. Yes, or, or I you, love Courtney. Yeah. You know, there's so many people. It's like, I, I don't know if people realize like we're all close and sometimes we'll just be texting about what's happening on these shows or, or whatever, but. I feel it's like great. eventually there's going to be podcasters from outer space, evil ones that will have to join together like the Avengers of podcasters and fight the podcasters from outer space, potentially. Uh, that's it is weird, quarantine. though. Isn't it weird that it's like not it's not that competitive? No. Like with every other facet of my life is always usually competitive, not because of me, just the nature of different industries and stuff. It tends to be competitive. So it it always is so surprising and delightful to know that like, in this space, people are are uh, not as competitive. I think also that is based around because we genuinely love these things. This isn't like, but it, you bring up something about competition that I think we're both a fans of this next thing. Um, the History of Late Night is a CNN show that is a six-part um, series about late night television. They've aired five parts. The sixth part is this weekend. And I saw on Twitter, so good. You, so good. I, I've been such a geek for that stuff. But like, I was thinking about that while I was watching, I was thinking about you and I was thinking the podcasts are kind of a natural extension in a way, or at least the way you're doing it or the way I'm trying to do it is of a talk show because we were raised on these things. Yeah. I always say, I just gave myself a talk show. Like nobody was doing it. So I was like, I'll just do that. Like the podcast. Yeah. That's, I feel like we're all are doing our yeah. version of a, of a talk show. And I'm always been a talk show junkie. Like I've been obsessed, particularly with daytime. Like I love late night. And, and I think that documentary series is like one of the best and everyone should watch it. If you have any like sort of passing interest in the talk show format, but I've been really a, a, a huge fan of daytime talk shows. And I wish that daytime got the credit the way that late night does, because I feel like there's often these wonderful books and documentaries and things on late night and daytime just sort of gets passed over. And I think some of that has to do with misogyny because daytime is largely uh, female or, or driven by women and uh, late night for some reason though, it's like, oh, there's always tons of stuff on it. That said, I love this documentary and I think it's so great. And I study that stuff and I'm constantly on YouTube, like watching yes. talk shows. And, and I mean, I, I, it was fascinating. And I think this is, I think I love, it gets me so excited to think podcast is a natural extension of that. And what you said is that primarily daytime is female driven, but I also am so proud of podcasts because I think that's one of the best places. I know this doesn't make sense to me saying it, but it has so many female voices, like so right. many female voices are championed. Uh, did you have an opinion about uh, Kelly Clarkson taking over for Ellen DeGeneres? Oh, you know, I love Kelly uh, and I think she's great. I think the report of it like sort of taking over, I know she's moving into the time slot, but yeah. to me, like when it comes to daytime, in terms of taking over, I always think back of Rosie was my favorite in, in the daytime space. And when she ended her talk show, Caroline Ray really did take over her talk show because Caroline Ray moved into the studio. It was a lot of the same production people. And that to me was like taking over. Whereas Kelly, I feel like she's she's moving into that time slot, but she's still just doing her show, which I think is vastly different than Ellen's show. So I, I'm happy for Kelly's, I love Kelly. My favorite thing about Kelly is that we get like her singing once a day, yeah. which is wild to me because I love her voice so much. 
And the fact that we get a cover once a day, although I wish they were longer, you know, they're always like a two minute or a minute 30. <laughs> I wish they were like the full song, but I feel like we're spoiled. The fact that we get her singing a cover every day. I mean, why, why have we had a Kelly Clarkson on the Kelly Clarkson show album of just covers? It just feels like a natural extension. Um, do you so, know I went to the Kelly Clarkson show with Ariana and Tom? They were on for I, the book. Yes. And it was like, I, I love Kelly so much. And it, uh, Jessica Simpson had just uh, recorded a segment for them. And so she, we were like ships passing in the night. So Jessica was there at the same time as me, but I didn't get to see Jessica. Uh, but it was super well, exciting. You, It's like, you. that's what you feel when you listen to you or when you're around you is that kind of that natural excitement. But it's also in this kind of, I think you are a perfect talk show host. And is there any, is there any um, truth to the rumor that I'm starting that when eventually Andy, whenever he decides to go away, that you would take over for the watch what happens live? I am starting this rumor. Is there any truth to this rumor that I started? <laughs> no, no, no. And I love Andy. And I think Andy, you know, I always wish I, I would love to do like a Rosie O'Donnell-esque show or where it's uh you know, it'd be a dream come true. I love Andy. I love Andy and what no. happens live. And you know, the Bravo space though, it it's I think it's a tough you Andy takes so much and some of it rightfully so. Like he takes, you know, a lot of stuff that is our problems with the network. And I feel like I always think like, God, that's a shitty position to be in because yes, he is the face of it, but he also has to deal with like all the brunt of every complaint. Yeah. And I, I think oftentimes the larger uh, audience people don't realize that he's not the one making a lot of the decisions and also he's not he's one voice in the room in terms of those decisions so i always think man that's a, a tough job well it's like sometimes they'll put on watch what happens live on my dvr after like roni or something like that and i'll be like well now it's an hour and a half i thought it was an hour and a half episode and now i have to i would watch watch what happens live anyways but i'm like should i tweet andy and let him know like he gets crap like that of like your tv doesn't work he gets those messages you know right right, right. yeah it's like oh, i can't believe this isn't working why did the dvr cut off andy and people are you people can be brutal i mean you know too it's like sometimes you read the comments of an instagram post or something when it comes to the bravo world specifically it can get really mean very quickly <laughs> wait like, what yeah, no i i gotta like, disagree with you on that one that's there's it's a really nice crew of people though no. um, it can be heavy and i feel like i'm sensitive to that so my dream is always like i, I would love to do like a pop culture nostalgia sort of talk show well, my, and I know you will not admit it here, but my theory is that that is going to be happening for you sooner rather than later. And I, because you, you can't be a fan like you are and like carve out the niche that you have and not do that. It's a natural extension. And I, I just, I, I'm, I know you wouldn't say, I, I just want to see that. But if you, cause my thing is if you ever did the Bravo thing, which I know, you know, you'll do something different, but I was thinking you do that time slot. We put a great female voice afterwards. And then I could be in the Carson Daly slot at like three in the morning, you know? You know, I miss when Bravo used to do back in the day. Remember, they would always have Kathy Griffin doing stand-up specials. And I always say, like, I wish they would bring that back and do different voices. People like Amy Phillips or different comedians, like, in that yes. space. Like, I think it would work really well. Or even, like, the People's Couch again. They have so many great – I mean, that's the one thing you realize about doing the podcast is that there's so many – and I'm not even talking about celebrities or Bravo celebrities. There's so many different voices that like have such a unique perspective that they bring to it. Um, and it, it's just, I'm like, there's so many good people out there that like view things in such a weird, uh, smart way and funny at the same time. It's like, it's so cool. 
I'm curious with Peacock now that they're doing a lot of Bravo stuff for Peacock, and I'm curious what that'll open up in in, in the talk show space and all and all of it. Yeah, well, I wanted to I wanted to actually bring up uh, streaming services because, and this is kind of directed where where pop culture is going. Uh, because I think when we were kids, uh, I mean, I I I read and and it consumed everything I could, but there was nowhere the amount of information that we have today. I'm not just talking about gossip blogs, but even just streaming services, you have it so split now where it's uh, with Peacock, HBO Max, um, uh, Disney Plus, Hulu, Paramount Plus. Um, where is this headed? Like, I mean, we, we don't have, like in that history of late night, you, you had three stations at first. Yeah. And where are we headed with this thing? Yeah, it's interesting. There are so many different outlets, which is good for creators, I think, because we're all able, I mean, even in terms of podcasting, you could put out your own stuff and build a, a successful audience. And I, didn't you just join iHeartRadio? Are you? I did. I yeah, yeah, you yeah, got yeah, your yeah. You were talking about your first ads, which I got is a my huge first deal. Ad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's I like mean, a huge, exciting it, it, thing. I, I almost cried. Like it was, it really was, you know, those like milestones that you hit that you're like, well, maybe someday that was that for me, you know? Yeah. And people don't realize like how much free labor you have to, especially with podcasts you have to put in before that stuff comes. And so congratulations. Thank um, you. But, no, I just, so yeah. I think all these outlets are great for creators in that way of like, we can put out stuff and, and even gain larger audience by going by places like Peacock or Hulu or these streamers. However, it does fragment the audience even more. And so oftentimes I tell my boyfriend, it's like, there's things that I watch or we watch that, my mom or my brother, they've like never even heard of. And, and usually when I talk to my, my mom on the phone, it's like, she has no fucking clue about any of the Bravo people <laughs> or anything. Cause she doesn't watch that. But if I were yeah. to talk about dancing with the stars or, uh, you know, general hospital or one of her things, it's like, they're the biggest stars in the, like Susan Lucci yeah. to my mother is the biggest star in the whole world or, or my mom loves now Suzanne Summers Instagram. So to my mom, like, Suzanne Summers and her husband are like the biggest stars on the planet to her right now. Yeah. But to uh, a lot of people have no idea who Suzanne Summers, younger generations have no idea. They're not following this YouTube or this Instagram live she does. So it's fragmented so much that I think we all have different reference points now yeah, uh, there's when no we're talking to each other. Yeah. I was even thinking about just like in the eighties, like uh, I was talking to somebody about John Hughes films and had no idea what I was talking about. And I was like, well, you've seen every other teen movie been inspired by these films. So like, even if you, and it's like, cause even if you go back to that now, if you're not aware of it, it's not going to hit the same way it potentially hit us. And I think about that all the time because we're like the kids today are just seeing things that have been inspired by, inspired by, inspired by, you know? And I do think it's important for the creator, whether it be a young person, older person, whoever, if you're creating this thing, whether if it's a talk show, you should need to go back and educate yourself in terms of like the format and where it's come, where it's going and, uh, and see some of the greats to see how it was created and this format was created. And so it, it is on the people creating it. And oftentimes I, it, whether I'm talking to young people and not, I feel like I'm so old or something, I'm, when I'm talking to young people, but I don't know that they do that kind of research. I mean, even when I was in school and college, I was in a I was a TV production major, and we would have classes where we would study different films, and yep. we would be forced to watch classics, and and then it extended beyond that because after classes, you would go back to the dorms or whatever, and you'd watch some of the classics, and even stuff that I didn't like or that didn't 
really uh, appealed to me in the same way, I still felt like it was important to educate. Um, yeah. And, and to well, know. I mean, it's like for me now, it's like to, to, to try to do this, it like homework for this is like, okay, I got to go back and watch Gallery Girls. Hell yeah. Like that is the homework I right. want. Like, I mean, that is like, <laughs> or I get to watch a reality show that I don't really like. I'm still watching a reality show. That's not home. That's like, I, I dreamt of that as a kid. Cause that's what I was doing on my free time. And I think you were doing the same thing. Right. No, uh, I know sometimes I'll complain. I'll be like, Oh, I got to take notes for this show. And, <laughs> and I'll have to remind myself or, or Matt will remind me like, okay, chill out. Like this is pretty cool. Uh, but now, yeah. Wait, Matt, that's, is that code for your boyfriend? Channing yeah. Tatum? Oh yeah. yeah. Channing Tatum. No, well, Ch- that's boyfriend. Channing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Channing. I love Channing Ryan. He's my Wait. favorite. Well, Danny, the, I read the other day. I think you said you got a, a really nice potential re- rejection letter that Channing's not talking to people at the time. Is that, was that true? Yeah, did, I mean, I, I think I read that somewhere or you had reached I, out. Channing. Uh, I will always reach out to Channing Tatum and always dream that he'll contact me back, but um, I haven't officially heard from him. Okay. But I want to say though, the only reason, I mean, I love Channing Tatum, but the reason when I think of Channing Tatum, I think Danny Pellegrino. And then oh, that, that's sweet. like, I think Channing, well, it's the same thing as Jessica Simpson. I listened to Jessica Simpson's audio book. <laughs> my brand is so you. stupid. Wait, no, <laughs> I mean, my, my brand is like, I mean, like, but I'm saying what's so cool is that you actually did influence. I'm a straight dude listening to Jessica Simpson's audiobook because of you. And I loved it. Did you I love it? it? It was great, right? Yeah, it I was great. loved it. I thought it was, it was and I didn't realize, I know, I know John Mayer's coming out with an album on Friday, but I, I mean, I like that was, I mean, pretty see, I know we're all young and we make mistakes at times, but he said he, he really kind of played around with her. Yeah. It was really shitty what he, what he did. And, and yeah, we, we're always looking through things that happened back then through the lens of today. So it's different. And, and I, it is a reminder to be like, yeah, people were young, but you can't excuse it all. I mean, some of it, it was just like, man, that's shitty what he did. And, well, yeah, and not I just mean, him, but other people too. Yeah, sexual napalm. So, um, uh, uh, speaking of that, your mom likes Suzanne Summers. If I ever met Michael Bolton, my mom would like leave me alone and not try to get me to move back to Arizona, you know? Um, right. uh, so this pandemic took an insanely large toll on all of us, obviously, that's stating the obvious. Um, have you been able to see your family yet? I know you were trying to get back there. I'm going, I'm literally leaving tomorrow night as of this recording. I'm taking the red eye back to Cleveland and seeing my family. You know, I was supposed to go back. I had a trip planned sort of recently, I guess maybe a month ago, or I don't remember when it was, but my brother ended up getting COVID like before he got the vaccine. And so then I had to push it. And um, because I wouldn't have been able his whole family had to obviously quarantine um, and he, one of the main reasons I'm going back is because he recently had a baby, uh, his wife had a baby. And so I want to go meet my new nephew. And so I had to postpone it. So now I'm finally going back and I can't wait. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like on a level of excitement, do you even think it can match the level of excitement potentially in your head? I mean, it's just like, that's a big meeting. I'm, it's all very exciting. And I'm surprising them too, because I had to move the trip. I, I didn't tell him exactly when I was coming because it was, I had to move it a few different times and it just started to feel like I'm having these dates and then I'm moving them. So eventually I was just like, I'm, I planned it and then they don't know I'm coming. So wait, you're like dead of night surprising people. Yeah. Like, so I, I take the red eye in. So I get in, I guess Friday early morning. And I told my mom, I said, I'm having something delivered there for my nephew, <laughs> like a birthday gift. I said, will you be home to sign for it? So yeah, she doesn't know. Danny, is this going to be like the Folgers commercial I used to see in the 90s where it was like the guy came home and he all of a sudden the mom's like, who's brewing coffee? You know, and it's you. Uh, 
I can't wait. You know, I have uh, five nieces and nephews now and they're all young and I feel like I've missed so much with all of them. And I get to talk to them on the phone, but it's not the same. And so I'm excited to see them. My nephew saw that I had um, over, you know, a couple thousand people on Instagram and now he's like, can I use you as a creator code for uh, Minecraft or something? And Wait, like, how old is he? He's uh, 12 years old. Okay. My, uh, my nephew godson is 10 and he's like, so into this, like uh, he's on TikTok and he's always calling and trying to figure out like how to get followers. And he's yes. obsessed with it. I'm like, you're 10 years old, Anthony, like you need to chill out. <laughs> No, it's like, he's obsessed with it. Like he is like, and I'm like, and they, my parents try to find ways to get him like, well, can you code things? And he's like, but he's, he's really like the YouTube celebrities, all of that. I try to get him to watch like a reality shows and it's all YouTube celebrities for him, you know? Right. They love YouTube, but my nephew's on YouTube all the time and TikTok now he's obsessed with. And he started making memes because he saw that like I had made memes and he's like trying, he makes the the dumbest memes, but they're adorable because he's 10. And so it, I, I almost, I wanted to post some the one day, but I was like, uh, my sister-in-law doesn't want people following him. Which That's I what my sister-in-law, sort of, yeah. my sister-in-law was like, do not. I, he used to be on the podcast under the pseudonym Watermelon. And then my my brother-in-law put the kibosh on that and said, no way, do not use any of his face or name. I know they don't want my, uh, one of my, I have two older brothers and one of them, they like are really weird about that. So even when I go home, it's like, I can't put any of them on the, sometimes I could sneak a, something on my stories or something, but they don't want anyone following them or they don't want anyone, you know, in their I'm like, Kim's I'm, <laughs> I'm like literally writing a book and <laughs> half the stories are about my family. And I'm like, sorry. Well, I'm like Kim Zolziak Bierman. I'm like, we need to start social media profiles <laughs> for this entire family. Um, speaking of your book, uh, how, like, it, it's called Detours. Was that by any chance anything to do because you did a detour potentially during COVID and we all did? Or is that was that before that even happened? Kind of. And I should clarify, it was sold under the title of Detours so that we're working on the title. I think it's going to actually okay. be something different. So, but it did start like on my show, I would be talking about these housewives and stuff. And then I'd say, let's take a little detour. And then we would talk about like a family story or, or something. And then pretty soon I noticed like when I would be getting messages online or whatever, people would ask me about these, these silly family stories or whatever. So that's kind of like where that idea came from, but the book is, it's very heavy with um, just kind of comedic stories. And then what I found through the process of writing it is like a lot of these silly, crazy stories of, uh, from my life, like they end up having sort of stronger meetings than I had realized. And so it's been really fun. It's an essay collection. So the idea is that you read it and laugh and hopefully have fun. There's a lot of pop culture references and stuff in there. And uh, I hope people really enjoy it. I'm, I love it. And I'm so excited. I, it's tentatively, um, early next year. I think spring is when it's tentatively come out. Yeah. So uh, hopefully it'll be announced officially with the title and cover and all of that soon, but uh, I can't wait. It's been a process and it's been crazy doing all of that during COVID yeah. and writing it, but it, it helped distract me in a lot of ways, which was good. Um, you speak about housewives. Uh, well, I'm talking about housewives exhaustion when you go to like take notes, like Roni last night, uh, which I went to take notes on. And by the end, I was just like, I gave up because it was like, so like it was hitting my brain and I was trying to process it, but also take notes at the same time. Uh, is that, I mean, 
that has to have had you you've done this now for so many years it's by rote, I'm sure, when you get the computer out to take notes. But like this year especially, is there a special kind of exhaustion that that goes with the housewives for you? Yeah, you know, early on in the pandemic, I had been dealing with a lot of health issues. So I was in and out of the hospital in the emergency room. I think I went to the emergency room like three times and I had been seeing all these doctors. They didn't really know exactly what was wrong with me. I, early in 2020, I had a, an appendectomy and um, I came to find out I it led to like a pretty severe infection and I was just not feeling well. And actually, I don't know if you have that time hop app where you can see stuff from like a year ago. I had to stop. It was depressing. Know, depressing. Me. Yeah, yeah. But some stuff came up. I had interviewed like Sheena and Leah like around this time and I was so ill and I I had to turn it off because I was looking at this and I'm like, oh my God, I could see. I remember sitting there in both of those interviews specifically, as well as a couple others where I was like, I couldn't even process what they were saying to me. And I remember being in the middle. It's like, I don't even know what they said. And my brain was so foggy from the pandemic as well as all this health stuff. And I look at that interview. I'm like, oh my God, I remember that day being so just a mess and struggling to keep up with what Sheena was saying or what Leah was saying. It's like, I had no idea what they were talking about. And I, you know, when you're interviewing someone, you're trying to be sharp and you want yeah, to be energetic. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would tell people on the show, I'm like, I'm not feeling great. I hope, but I didn't also want to like talk so much. I don't want to bum people out every single episode. Cause it was a few months that or a lot of months that I was just, wasn't sure what was going on with my body and mind. It was affecting my brain. And so it was just a complete fog for, you know, five months or something. And you, you, as you know, you do, I, like I said, I don't want to bum people out. I don't want to come on the microphone every day and be like, God, I'm not feeling well. And I couldn't, there's sponsors and stuff. So I couldn't just take months off of the show. So it was doing two shows a week, trying to recap and be funny and energetic and stuff. And in my head, some of those episodes, I'm thinking like, man, I, I don't care about any of this and I don't know what's going on in my I was so scared. I was so yeah. not well and not well, bitch. I was so <laughs> but luckily I got through it. I'm good. But also now. to have a show called Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino and you being Danny Pellegrino, like the show goes on, like, and you're yeah. dealing with all of, that's what I just remember being on like certain mics during certain, like uh, the Black Lives Matter protests right outside my window, like literally on Melrose, uh, so many on top of the pandemic. And I just remember, you know, the mic was the one constant. You know, was that like I can talk into this void and I don't think I'm making particular sense, but it at the end of the day, it's like some kind of mental relief because if you just leave it in your head, it's like insane. Yeah. And sometimes I don't know if you feel this, but you, especially now on these shows with Beverly Hills in New York, we're dealing with a lot of these race issues, which are very fascinating, important conversations to have. But then there is this interesting balance because we're just trying to give people an hour of like release and fun and and we i i always feel like i don't want to be socially irresponsible i don't want to ignore any of this stuff but also i want this to be like an hour of fun and escapism and so i i that balance has been uh Tough. Well, it's it's the most delicate balance that Bravo is having to do, and I, I I applaud them for doing it. But it is, I think, there is just like this year has been. There are so many awkward moments and conversations, not only in our real life, but that's obviously a mirror up to that on Bravo. And hopefully, we can get to a point where what I was talking about, like I always use the example of Tiffany Moon of like. 
Tiffany Moon's got some housewife in her. She's got some crazy that has nothing to do with her ethnicity, has nothing to do. And I want to get to that because I think she can throw down as a housewife having nothing, having to having to explain nothing about her, her race, her ethnicity, any of that. She's got housewife in her. And I want to I can't wait to see that. And if we have to play catch up for a year, let's do that. Get on the same page. And then I know these girls like Ebony, I know has like some insane housewife in her. And I mean that as the biggest compliment, you know? Yeah, but, and it's frustrating. I I feel for these women too, to have to be going on these shows and they can't just get to that part of their personalities no. because it's like, they're having to deal with like Slow Tiffany and Dallas. I'm like, man, she has to go in there and like deal with all this shit that these women are having to do so much heavy lifting in their first seasons of these shows. Well, I was thinking about Leah's Leah had kind of a, a, a glorious first season for a lot of reasons. And I think part of that was the pandemic. Uh, but, uh, you know, she was able to be crazy with the Tiki torch thing. And like, it was just about her being crazy and nothing about like her being her caucasity or whatever. And I was like that, that to me, you know, was such a gift that we were able to see that and get that. But I want that same thing to be extended without having these insane conversations because Luann, you're always going to be able to trip Luann up with some kind of thing around around class or education, that's her like Achilles heel. Like, I mean, Luann just sees red. She doesn't even understand it. She just thinks somebody's calling her stupid or classless. And you can see her head doesn't start, her head stopped working. Right. You know, you know, uh, not to alter the subject, but Luann was cracking me up this week because she is always surrounded by these artists and it just, <laughs> I understand that Luann travels and stuff, but something about that, it, like, I don't see Luann as like an artist. And so the idea of like Luann thinking of herself as an artist is crazy <laughs> to me. But Ryan, I got to ask you this too. Like, I know you love Leah. Uh, yeah. So what are you feeling this season with Leah? Cause she's not having well, a good season. This is something that the Bravo has taught me. I want to give people grace. I want to uh, sit with this and I want to listen and learn and I want to give her the grace of a full season to see if there, here's the deal. If my, my, my grandma, if she, when she was passing away, I was, uh, I, I was kind of losing my mind. Uh, there is something weird with Leah that I don't know if she's necessarily my kind of girl, the way she was. And I was in a different place during pandemic. So we can grow out of our loves, but that's what I love about these housewives is that it's like, it is like a sports team. Like I, you know what? I'm kind of on Heather gay right now. I'm kind of on, I'm kind of on this or that. And Leah, I like from season to season, it can change. I, I love when we talk about it in terms of sports of like, they're having a bad season, but I do think we rush to judgment yeah. a lot. Do you find with people, they'll reach out to you and say, oh, Ryan's biased. They, he likes this yes. person. Yes. And I always sort of laugh. Like people say that too. It's like, well, yeah, I'm not their employer. Like I'm allowed to not like that person or really like that person. Like we're just here to give our opinions and like, we're not employed by Bravo. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like, why can't I like someone? Like I'm allowed to like them. And sometimes we like people irrationally. Like for, I've sort of turned on Ramona, but for a while it's like, I thought she was, I loved Ramona. And I still recognize that she can be a monster and uh, yeah, you know, were, I, I'm not ignorant to the, I, I, I have eyes. I'm not, but it's like, it's like Ariana and Tom. And maybe you feel this way a little bit too, is that, you know, people ask me why all the Jack's hatred and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, it's kind of obvious, but if you want to go further, I was never able to reconcile how he spoke about Ariana's sexuality right. and mental health. And to me that went, far past a point of no return for me. And my only way to fight that stuff to me is like really harsh humor. So I go really hard because I don't buy it. I'm like, 
you know, stand up and look at yourself. And, and I know that sounds crazy because I'm now taking a reality show so seriously, but when you meet these people and you do actually become sort of friendly, it does give you a bias. And, and I'm going to admit that, like, I do like Ariana and Tom, you know? Right. I know I worked with them. So I feel out of anyone on Bravo, those are the only two where I, I, I feel like I, I just, I do feel similarly to, to that. Cause I know them personally. I know they're good people. And I felt with Jack's stuff, it was hard to watch that. I mean, even uh, from as a gay man perspective, I, with the stuff Jack's was saying about Ariana, it was just like, I can't, uh, that's, that crosses a line. And, and I mentioned Ramona and there were moments where, especially last season where to me, Ramona crossed a line and it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. Uh, and, and it's so funny because now was tough. Ramona though, for me, like I last season couldn't deal with Ramona this season. I'm kind of like, I'm accepting. And I kind like, it's so bizarre. How- Ryan, that's pers- that's purposeful that's on, no, it's purposeful on Bravo's part. Like that's what they do on these shows. They want us to question our loyalties <laughs> to people. And that's yeah. how they edit the shows. Like they, they want us, they, Ramona was the worst last season. They wanted us to think she was the worst last season. And guess what keeps us coming back now this season. And we're, we're a lot of us are starting to think differently about Ramona. And that's because Bravo is doing that. Whether or not we want to, we can see that it's manipulative purposefully because that's what they do with all of these shows. They want us to hate someone. Then the next season, they want us to question, do I really hate that person? And then when you love someone, they want us to question, well, should I love that person? They take us on this roller coaster so that we keep tuning in. And it every season, they want us to question loyalty. So we're getting immersed in this. And I think it's all of these things are purposeful. And what Bravo is doing is what they want to do. And we're just kind of falling Along into for the that ride. trap. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that idea though, because I had, I had said this the other day. Uh, I'm kind of obsessed with this thought of, I feel like sometimes the fan base now we're pulling apart every single moment. And I sometimes wonder, I'm like, are we pulling this apart more than even production is pulling it apart? You kind of said something that actually uh, is a little bit different than that is that they they are wanting they're they're directing it in this is the way they want it to go but sometimes I'm like I feel like we are eating every morsel to the point where we're like I mean just like we're so fat on information that I don't even know if I just wonder if like it's all of a sudden it's become sentient and they're like oh my god this is too powerful we didn't expect them to tear apart every moment like this oh right right yeah and I think you mentioned something with Leah where you're like let's see at the end of the season and I think that's important too like someone can have a really bad scene or, or say something stupid and it is human nature to say and do stupid things. And you have to sort of look at the overall person. Now, if it's a pattern of behavior, I think you mentioned Jackson with him, oftentimes the things he would say and do felt like a pattern and Ariana had called it out. She said, this is who this person yeah. is. So I think it is important maybe at the end of the season or after a few seasons with someone, you can look at them and say, are they a terrible person or are they misunderstood or did they have moments of terribleness or are they just a full on monster? Um, well, speaking of uh, not monsters, but uh, housewives, we just got a, a huge announcement today that ABC is going to, or no Hulu is going oh, to be doing wait. one of which sa- seems like a 2020 expo expose, but it's, it's called the housewife and the hustler about Erica Jane and Tom Girardi. And it's going to be on Hulu, I think June 14th, maybe. And, it, it, the preview got released today and I, it was, it was, I hate that something this dangerous brings such a smile to my face. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait for it. I thought the trailer looked amazing with the Fergie song in the background. Look, look shady. Dana Pam is one of the talking heads. Like there's so much about it that I'm very <laughs> excited for. 
And were you asked I, to be a talking head in that? No, no, no. Really? Okay. But I think I would have been afraid too, because I feel like, I don't know some of the, when it comes to like law stuff, I always get nervous because I've heard of, you know, there's been times, I don't know if you've experienced this. I've had literal people on my show and then I've gotten calls afterwards from them or their people saying like, you need to cut that. And yep. it's like, it's scary. Cause like, I'm not trying to like deal with any sort of law stuff. Like I, I'm not interested in getting any one mad at me. Like I don't, I don't want to deal with any legal repercussions. So anyway, I would have been afraid, uh, but very excited to watch it. I think it looks juicy. Uh, what do you think in terms of, so we're on the, uh, this will be, is this third episode tonight of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? What have you thought about the first two episodes of uh, Roby so far? I'm, I like it a lot. I think this season yeah. is great. I love the Kathy Hilton of it all. To me, she, every moment of Kathy Hilton is like great comedic relief. And I'm loving it. I, I think it's a really big cast, which is so important for these shows. It oh has God, yes. layers. We have a lot of women. And that's important to not have it so focused on one thing. For so long with Beverly Hills, it was like Pantygate, Puppygate. And it was like the whole season's only about that one thing. And that never makes for a good show. And last season, I did feel like it was a little bit more balanced, but it was still all Denise related. And what I'm finding so far with Beverly Hills is that I was going into it thinking it was just going to be about Erica and Tom. And we're finding it's, there's a lot of stuff with Sutton and Crystal and there's uh you know, we're getting some Garcelle Kyle developments and Kathy is intriguing. She's very much like Kim Richards in the weirdest fun ways. And so Guys, I am pleased to announce that folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% Europe. European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Um, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I take mental health very seriously. It's something I realize that I have to work at on a daily basis. Now, 
That might be uh, going out and exercising. Uh, It might be starting your own podcast so you can talk out loud. Or it might be seeing industry professionals. And that's what BetterHelp does. BetterHelp will assess your needs and they're going to match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. No, it's not a crisis line. It's not that. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling done securely online. Um, Now, I have visited many therapists over the years, and I have never tried one online until BetterHelp. And I have to tell you, it's amazing. I wish I had known about this years ago. Now, there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. In fact, during uh, this past year, it has been so impossible to see somebody in person. Um, but their service, BetterHelp, is available for clients worldwide. You can log in to your account anytime. You can send a message to your counselor, and you will get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions if you don't want somebody seeing your face. If you're a little tired of the Zoom, you can even just do phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. You guys, I when I used to have a job, I would leave my job for my break, rush over to my therapist, sit in the waiting room, <laughs> wait for my turn, go there, and then have to fight LA traffic all the way back to work. I don't have to do that any longer with BetterHelp. So BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. And I love this part. Uh, I love this part. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is even available. So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash so bad. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Guys, I'm telling you, I do this. This means something to me. I know it could mean something to you. Please give it a shot. So, in fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So, that means you can get somebody at a moment's notice. That is so important. Our mental health is so important. And this is just, this is a great part. Special offer for So Bad It's Good listeners. You guys can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash so bad. That's betterhelp.com forward slash S-O-B-A-D. The one last thing I'll say is just go visit the website. Just do that one small step. I'm telling you, you're going to like what you see. And I think you'll take the next step to join. I'm loving it. Are you loving it? I, I, I'm love. I really am loving it. And it is fascinating people's opinions. Cause I have, I've really fallen in love with Kathy Hilton in the use of her, of just this kind of pepper or this, this, uh, this seasoning that just says batshit things. And it really is hitting for me. But then I had posted something and so many people in the comments were like, uh, you know, I, what a, she's not a good person, not a good person. And I'm like, okay. But in, in, in terms, and they're talking about like the Paris Hilton documentary right. and things like that, but I'm like, but in terms of what we're seeing, this is really amazing stuff. Like this is a really great addition that I feel we're very privileged to have because you also think of the implications. If we're just getting warmed up, if potentially we ha- we know we have this Kyle relationship and we know this Kim relationship is in the background, if we make Kathy Hilton comfortable enough and we celebrate her enough, maybe we get into these deeper issues eventually. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that'll, I mean, if Kathy stays around for a second season, we know we'll get into a lot of that stuff because lately with these shows, I'm finding, especially a first season housewife or even a friend of they're getting edited in the best of ways because they want to make sure that these people are able to come back for a second season because they don't Bravo. I don't believe wants a one season housewife. So I think they want someone in their first season to look really good and want to come back and for the audience to want them to come back so that they have a longer term relationship. So yeah, I'm hopeful that in season two, we'll get into that. And with the Paris stuff, it is very interesting. And I love Paris. And I thought that documentary is so good. I, I don't, I struggle because it's like, I, I want to take Paris's lead with all of that because she, these were her experiences. And yes, we could see that Paris, that Kathy was, uh, she was the one who kind of pushed Paris in this horrific situation. And I think that's a very important to look at and, and judge. But then at the same time, I, I see that Paris seems to be so protective of her mother. And, and I, I don't know, I think there's a lot that I, I just don't understand about it. And I forgive, forgive me if I'm speaking poorly about it or, but no, no, I, I feel like, I'm trying to take Paris's lead with it all, if that makes any yeah, I, sense. I, yeah, I like that, actually. I mean, the fact that Paris is actually, Kathy Hilton is on that documentary as a talking head. Paris Hilton now, it seems like she has a very decent relationship with her mom. We would not have seen Kathy in that documentary. So that is, I mean, always take the lead of actually who this is, uh, who has suffered the most because of this, potentially. And I didn't get the impression that Paris holds anything against her mom. Not at all. I, I did get the impression that she sees her mom's fault in it, but almost that Paris uh, understood that Kathy didn't understand the magnitude of it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think Kathy, and I think we're seeing this play out a little bit, maybe is a little like the way she thinks is not the way all of us thinks. And like, this is what she thought she was doing right for her family, potentially. Uh, but, it, you know, it's it's hard when rich people are involved, too, because then people right. sometimes are just against rich people, which I, I am as well. I want to be rich one day. So <laughs> did, uh, you, did you hear that all the women were on Paris's podcast recently? Yes, I saw like that. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good chat. It was interesting. Um, uh, you you watch this, and I, I, I've watched this twice now, and I talked about it earlier this week, was the Friends reunion on HBO Max. Um, to me, uh, I know there's a lot of now um, conversation or discourse about Friends, the show, and, you know, the, you know, it's like, you know, we're celebrating all of these white people and things like that. But I got to say, I did. I watched every episode of that when it aired. I, that was part of my high school experience. I was so into that. I remember I'm not realizing certain things looking back, but at the same time, the reunion like really moved me in these weird ways. Did you, what did you feel about the reunion? I loved it. I, I yeah, I, I think we can look back and see some of the problems with friends and understand it and hopefully going forward and not make a lot of those same mistakes, whether it be for the diversity on screen or the, uh, way they handled a lot of LGBTQ issues. There's all sorts of stuff uh, on that show. But at the same time, I did enjoy them all sort of getting together and just seeing the set. And it was an hour and 45 minutes that I thought was really fun and lovely and, and great. Yeah, I didn't like the James Corden of it all. I could do without him and everything. But Well, do you know the original host for that was Ellen DeGeneres? Like they announced this pre-pandemic and they had announced her as the host. And then somewhere along the way, James Corden. And I was like, why go from Ellen to James? Like, that's still weird. Uh, it's very similar. It's, you know, analogous. they, 
I know someone close to me who had worked on, I don't know if it was like worked on the production or just on some like uh, social media stuff for it. And so before they had announced James Corden, I had heard that he was the one who took over in that host position. And I was like, why did they choose him? Because at the time it was like right when prom came out that movie and everyone was like basically dragging him. And for his portrayal as a gay man, I was so surprised that they chose him. And then, uh, it was interesting to me then when they finally announced, they just announced like, these are the special guests. And he wasn't like specified as host. It was just like a list of people. Yeah. And I thought, oh, even they're trying to like uh, sort of hide this fact. But obviously, of course, it's going to come out. We're going to see it. Uh, but yeah, I didn't get that. But I loved seeing these people together. And Lisa Kudrow to me is like one of the most brilliant people ever. And I the comeback is my favorite show of all time. And just her seeing her laugh and and smile amongst her her friends and all that. So it was just really joyful to me. I, I loved it. And I, I think to... there's the, you know, one of the things I do want to point out with friends is that I see this complaint a lot that there's like no jokes in it. There's people say it's not, but in a lot of sitcoms, they're character driven humor. And I think like people need to, um, I just think that's a piss poor complaint of the show because there were, there was definitely some stuff that was written as, uh, traditional punchlines. Yeah. However, the majority of Friends humor is similar in a lot of ways to uh, some of these other uh, Sex in the City or something. It's not punchline based humor. It's character humor. So we're laughing because we're seeing that ourselves in these characters and their reactions to things and stuff like that. So it still doesn't mean it's not comedy. And I just, I see everyone using that as a thing. Like there's no jokes and it's like, well, there was not a punchline humor, but it's written in a ways a lot of sitcoms are written, which is character-based humor. I mean, I was, uh, the I Golden Girls, I've been watching that. And it's like, that there, that's very joke heavy, but a lot of it comes from the way the characters are. So we're laughing because Blanche is promiscuous. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> I, I was trying to explain rant about that. No, I was trying to explain to the audience the difference between well, why that show is special and special to me is that that is a, you know, that is one of the last multicam sitcoms where it was written in that traditional joke format of setup, setup, punch. You know, you get the laughter, uh, you get the laugh track and things like that. And that being said, it was really on the tail end of that being popular. And each of those characters made multicam survive five more years past its expiration date, I feel, because they were so perfectly cast. They made jokes work. Like even Matthew Perry says in that thing of like, if I didn't get the laugh on the line, it it killed me. Like I, I killed me. And I, I really related to that so much of like having to make these lines that potentially don't work. You have to make them sing. And I thought each of those people bring something so special to it. And it shows you that shows you what talent can do. That's another thing you influenced me on. I finally watched both seasons of the comeback during the pandemic. And I had, and I kind of hate when it's like, when it's like, when you watch something, you're like, why didn't I watch this? The first, like you, you kind of, you're like, why didn't I don't get why I didn't watch this. This is really amazing. And this is so I mean, she's just really a genius. Yeah, it's so good. It's so it's very cringe, and I understand like a lot of people because I mentioned it a lot on my show, and a lot of times people write me and be like, "I hated that show," and I get it. It's not for everyone. It's very specific style of humor, and it's very cringe, and the audience is meant to feel uncomfortable, and that can turn people off very quickly. But I I think it's brilliant, and it's to me, it's the greatest show of all time. And Lisa's performance in that. I mean, both Insane. seasons, there's moments where she's hiding like tears underneath this fake plastered smile. And also being fans of reality TV, it's like we recognize so much of the behavior of this character. 
but she, I, I've never seen an actress be as brilliant as she is in that. And I, I always think she never got the credit. She did get nominated for an Emmy, I think the first season, uh, but yeah. she should have won. I mean, it's so good. I mean, uh, and and what a genius way to come back in the second season, having reality shows become so popular and kind of filming a pilot for her own housewife show before she gets cast on. I, it just was really well done. And Lisa Kudrow, you just, you get reminded how good she is. And you come, she's from a gr- the Groundlings and you studied at the Groundlings. I studied at the Groundlings. Like it really does teach you that appreciation, which I think you bring into your podcast and everything you do. I mean, that it, it does really kind of form you a little bit more as a comedian. And I think the whole idea of uh, my improv background and stuff, the thing that I take most of it is like to allow other people to shine. And it's like, I want to, I love to make people laugh and stuff like that. But if I'm interviewing someone, like I'm, I want to let them shine. Or if I'm, no matter what it is, like I'm not precious about my material, even if it's in writing, if I get a note from someone that is going to enhance it or make it better or funnier, I know a lot of people who, come from more of a stand-up background or something and they won't feel that way. They, they get very precious over their stuff. And so I think that's what I learned most from like the groundlings and what I see most in Lisa and the comeback is like, she is happy to let other people shine. And it, it's never just like, look at what it's, it's about me. I was watching if that, that makes sense. Oh, totally. And that, that talks, the, the CNN talk show thing, they were telling stories about Johnny Carson. And there was that one story, I think of Paul Reiser putting his elbow, like he was doing a physical bit and Johnny recognized that like, he like, it's just somebody setting somebody else to shine. And that is like a perfect example of what you're doing in podcast form. Um, uh, but uh, one of the last things I want to talk about before we wrap up, uh, we did mention Tom and Ariana earlier, Vanderpump rules. They are filming now. Uh, Sheena has given birth in the Sur parking lot. We will see the the rise summer of moon the, in the parking the, lot. <laughs> summer moon in the parking lot. Um, do you have any strong feelings about this? I kind of, I would have been okay with it Ending. fading away. I think because there's so many other great ideas out there. What do you What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's like Angel and Devil. I think. We, what I'm most interested in is I feel like this next season is going to be a fight for the life of the show. And so what I mean is like, we thought we've seen some crazy stuff out of like Lisa Vanderpump last season, where it was like a bra and the suitcase. And it was like these stupid antics that were just so insane. And what turned us really off. I feel like those antics are, they, we have the possibility of those being raised to like an 11 because they're, Lisa's going to be wanting to save this show. The ratings were down. It's been off for so long. There's going to be like a lot of weirdness, I think. That's my prediction of like not only that, but also drama. I feel like the cast that's there is going to understand that they need to bring some interesting storylines and some drama and stuff like that. So I think that's going to make it off kilter. So I think from just that voyeuristic view and knowing reality TV so much, like I'm excited for that part of it because I, I feel like it, it will be off the rails in a weird way, even if, the store. I don't know if I'm making sense. Like, no, no, it's it, it's going to be okay. like a social experiment in a way because it's like when they know they're. I mean, they've been gone for a year and a half. Like I think Summer House moved into a Vanderpump Rules kind of style slot of where. Well, I mean, this season kind of maybe a little to the side of summer should be fun and Vanderpump Rules. I mean, when you go into lying and cheating and potentially stealing, that's kind of fun in a weird Bravo way. But Vanderpump Rules all of a sudden became so much more and it couldn't hold the weight of all of that. You know. Yeah, I can't wait. So in that way, I think it'll be weird at the very least. I don't think it'll be super boring from that perspective. 
And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. There's things I'm excited about. Like I want to see Sheena be a mom. Like uh, to me, that's, that's the only one. That's the only one. That's what I was just going to say. The only one that I actually (laughs) care about seeing be a mom that I think will be fun and funny and weird and wonderful and interesting is Sheena. So I I can't wait for that. And Brock, I like her. She's got the hot Australian boyfriend. I'm excited to learn more about that. He's very thick, very excited to know more about Brock. Uh, and Raquel and James, they just got engaged. I love Raquel and I want to see her. St- and Charlie's back. I love Charlie. Yeah, I love Charlie and, yeah. and I hope that she's in a bigger role because to me, she was the best out of all those new people. And so, yeah, there's things I'm excited about, but I also think it'll be batshit crazy in a lot of ways. Can you imagine Sheena to her babies like good as cool? Like just like si- singing uh, that as a lullaby. You know, like, that's going to be like crazy. the opening shot. It's going to be Sheena like with the baby doing something kind of wacky or quirky <laughs> and it's going to like pan out. I, and it's going to be so weird. Like, I feel like this is like Sheena's destiny that and pop stardom. And she already went to the top of the pop chart. So this is the natural extension of what I think Sheena's destiny is. Do you think and, other people will like pop in and like all the people who were fired or whatever? Let well, go? Bo was at Tom Tom the other night with, uh, with uh, Schwartz and so he'll he probably be on it. Yeah. Think? I had a bunch of people, which that's, I mean, as we start wrapping up, I do want like my major question, how the fuck do you do all this dude? Like how the fuck? Like I can't keep up with DMS. I can't keep, and I'm a minute fraction. Like how do you do all of this and not lose your fucking mind? And I'm not trying to be angry because I'm, I'm not angry. I'm so thankful, but like, I sometimes think like, I just don't, in fact, I've used you as an example to my friends. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get how you can do it because once you get into this, it's like, it's all encompassing. And it's not just one thing. It's like seven other things because you're trying to do the Instagram or put up the Facebook or do all of this. Like, how did you learn to do this and stay sane? Well, I don't stay sane. First of all, there's plenty of times where I like kind of lose it, you know, and with the DMs and stuff, like I, I answer as many as I can, but I also have learned that some of it I just can't get to or or block it out. And I just do my best, you know. No one wants to hear you complain, but occasionally you got to complain a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I try to keep up. And the thing that I find hard sometimes is like I am working on other projects and it's hard to explain that to people. You know, when people are like, why isn't your episode out on time or something? And it's like, I'm trying to keep up with everything, but yeah. Well, you said you, you tweeted the other day about, uh, you were taking a break potentially from Shaw's of sunset because it was going under self care. And I thought that was such an interesting concept, uh, of doing that. Well, and I think you have to, with the Bravo shows, there's some shows that I have to keep for me, like married to medicine. I have to keep that. So I don't have to take notes. Like I don't want, I want to be able to watch that and enjoy it without feeling like I got to take a note and have a big opinion on anything. And then with Shots of Sunset, I always loved that. I always thought it was one of the best shows on Bravo. But last season, it just became so abundantly clear that they despise each other. Like the, and, you know, I love darkness on these shows in terms of like, we've been through a lot with a lot of these housewives and it's, it's gotten pretty, uh, pretty uh, vitriolic and dark and all of those things. And I can handle it. But the Shah's last season with that abortion comment where it was like that, that your uterus or something about MJ's uterus at a pool party that just crossed the line. And it's just like, I, I know these people don't like each other. You can't say that to someone, even if you're mad at a friend, I don't think you could say that to somebody. And so it's hard for me to pretend I can pretend a lot with these shows, but it's hard for me to get back, come back from that and pretend like, Oh yeah, you guys are going on vacation together. It's like, well, 
why are you going on vacation? Together? Your husband has a restraint. You have a restraining order against each other. And I'm supposed to like be uh, pretending that you're going on vacation. Like that doesn't, I'm more worried I, about I your can't. vacation than my own vacation. Yeah. I like, want to, I want to, uh, I want to be naive enough to believe that I want, I wish yeah. I could, but I just, it, that crossed well, the line on the show. That is the thing. It's hard to like, once, once something's out of the box, it's hard to put it back in there. And I think a similar thing was, uh, was Hannah on summer house this season was I, once I got to the reunion, I, in my head, I was like, as a producer, I was like, how do we get it? So I ever believe that Hannah would ever have anything to do with any of these people again, like besides Paige and Sierra, I was like, I just don't know because now we know that they're just, she's trying for a job or they're trying to make it work. And, and we already know that there's so much beneath this, that if it pops off, we're screwed again for a whole season. I was actually, I was wrong. I thought they would bring Hannah back because I thought it was built in storyline. I didn't think they'd be able to have a whole season out of it. Cause I did. I, I think ultimately it would have ruined the show or it, it would have been tough to come back from it, but I did think they would bring her back. I'm surprised that they didn't. I'm glad that they didn't, but I, I thought they would have just from my experience watching Bravo. I thought They'll bring her back for one more season and it'll all sort of blow up and then they'll get rid of her. But was there any truth to the rumor that I just made up that you are on the next season of Summer House and that's why they introduced your podcast on one of the season? Uh, the I wish they'd get a gay in there. They had Steven at one point. I know. Like, Let's throw some gay people in that house. I mean, by the way, why don't they? Like, that actually is perfect for that. Um, uh, well, uh, Danny, I didn't, I, I forgot to, I wanted to talk about real world homecoming. Cause I know we both love that show so, it's so much. Good, right? It, it really was something that it, that I watched. That was, I was so happy that I could watch that one for me, but it, it took, I thought they handled it so perfectly. The Becky stuff, uh, from so like good. showing old clips and to now and how some people just don't change and how people do. And it was such honest conversations in this non pandering way. It was so cool. Yeah, it was so, so good. The only complaint, obviously, is that I wish Eric had been able to be in the house, which I know is a last minute COVID issue. And you saw how much he wanted to be in the house. Like, it was I like, know. but otherwise, I thought for a reboot and for what that show was, it it was great. And Heather B., I love her with all of my being. I just thought it was fantastic. And Paramount Plus also did the Challenge All Stars, which I just thought was perfect. I loved it because I used to love the old challenges and it was so good to get back to what they were well yeah now it's like insanity now it's like i figure like one of these days we're just gonna see somebody rip a limb from somebody on the challenge it's very i like when they get older like now where it's like half of them just can't actually do the challenge you know and they Um, were more interesting personalities back in the day now with these other people coming in from other shows or the olympics there was all sorts of people coming into the challenge I want to see the personalities that were cast for the real world and road rules because those they're more interesting people and they don't care about their social media following because they came up at a time where that none of that mattered. So it was like, I think they were just more interesting reality stars. Than yeah. I want, now. I want everybody to be like, if you do the reality show, you don't get a tweet or do social for a bit until after the, the show airs. Uh, People last- are guarded like the Hills. Like I, I feel like none of them are interesting because <laughs> they all have a following. They don't want to screw up their sponsorships or whatever. The Hills is like some kind of weird, like Big Bang Theory is to adults. My like, I don't know what they put in Big Bang Theory, but my dad, like, it's like, it's like radicalized my dad for Big Bang Theory. But I feel like the Hills, like, why are we watching the Hills? Like, no, I mean, Spencer and Heidi are trying, but like, I don't like, I get that Brody's gorgeous, but like, I feel like I'm watching extended bathtub scenes with Brody every week, you know? It's just very snoozy. And I mean, the cast is very snoozy. 
It's it's like Audrina Audrina's the narrator, and it's like Audrina. (laughs) God bless her, but like she's not one of the more interesting personalities to ever appear in television history. And so the fact that they're like having her lead the show is so bizarre to me. And part of that is the artifice of the hills because LC wasn't some dynamic personality, but it just to pick Audrina to me is like what? And in LC, I think worked because of the time period it was in. I don't even think an LC led show uh, if she was starting out would work in the same way. But it just shows you how much like good lighting can make us watch anything. Like you're like, I, they put a lot of time into this. This looks beautiful. I think I should watch this. It's comforting in this weird visual way, as opposed to anything plot or character driven. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, And I, yeah. So the Sunset does the same thing, I think, which is the same producer. Uh, one last thing, Real Housewives, Real Housewives of Miami. How excited are you for a reboot of that? Because I know you're a huge champion of that show. Oh my god, I'm so excited! I'm so excited, and uh, yeah, I can't I, wait. I, I wa- I'm on the second season for the first time, and I'm recapping on my Patreon, and it's like I season didn't two is so good. Mama season two Elsa, is so good. All of those ladies, and I thought from the first to the second season, I was like sad that like some of they all weren't back. But then the second season turns out to be even better than the first season. And season three is like okay, it's not it's not great season three, but season two to me is one of the best Housewives seasons we've had. Like overall, it's just there's a lot of quirkiness weirdness. So I can't wait for Miami. And my hope with that is that I've I've heard some things. I'm very excited about the casting on there. First of all. Second of all, I hope that because it's for Peacock, they give us the whole season at once. Like I would love that if we just got to binge a full season of a housewives at once. So that's my hope, but I don't know if they're going to do that. They might release like one at a time. No, I mean, that would be amazing if you could just sit there over a weekend and just devour something that good. Um, Danny Pellegrino, you guys, this kid's up and coming. You, you, I, I, there's huge things <laughs> uh, for this kid. Um, everything iconic with Danny Pellegrino, of course, is the podcast. Uh, you know his Instagram. All of that is iconic. I hope someday, Danny, when you do have your talk show on TV, which you will, I hope to be a guest or a writer on your talk show. And uh, and just thank you for you really are the gold standard for what I'm doing. And uh, you're too nice, Ryan. You're the best. And no, 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 this is everyone loves your show and I'm honored to be on it. And I'm also honored to be, I think one of your, your first guests, maybe one of your first, was I your first guest for the iHeartRadio? For your show, wasn't I the first? Wasn't yes, I you one were. Of the- you were the okay. first actual guest. You don't even remember. No, no, I thought you meant for iHeartRadio. I thought you meant for no. And I, you are, you were my first actual guest, and I remember all that two years ago, or like a year and a half, I'm or whatever. Honored. Coming over to your house and doing that, and I was so nervous, and then I thought I lost the audio, and I was freaking out. Um, but it's happened to me before. Don't worry, Ryan. It happens. Yeah. Hey, two more times, you'll be on the Five Timers Club, Danny. You'll be the the first one. So I'm um, on, I'm honored. I really, I can't wait to uh, hear about your uh, your family reunion and uh, thanks for doing this, dude. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I know I'm, I'm ending it like it's my show. I don't know. <laughs> no, please. Okay, Ryan, it is thank your you. show. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Bye Ryan. Two, one. Betches.